back to the Neil Haley Show and also the Media Giant Effect and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited to speak with our guest today. I am so excited as well. Ed Begley Jr., we know him from so many different things. St. Elsewhere, I think, is where it started. But one thing, Ed, when I started doing research on you that I did not know, your father was a famous actor as well. So you really started from learning from him, didn't you? I did. And I'm convinced that if my dad had been a plumber, I'd be doing, you know, fitting pipe right now. I, I really love my dad. I love what he did. And I, I wanted to do what he did. So I think I became an actor because of him. I'm pretty sure of it. Absolutely. Go ahead, Greg, with your first question for Ed. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so how long ago did you, well, not even how long ago, but when, when did you take like your first acting class or coaching or anything was it from your dad or did he have a coach that he brought you to or? There wasn't a lot of that. There wasn't a great deal of coaching for my dad. He kept all that very subtle and kind of hidden. I didn't know he was giving me advice a few times that he did give it to me. But I went out there and tried to get work as an actor as a very young man. And I was clueless. I was clueless as to how I got that interview. I just thought, well, I, I got an interview. I didn't bother to ask, how did I get this interview? I guess somebody some friend of my dad's or somebody arranged me to go in and read for a part. I never got any work, of course, because I hadn't any training. So for the actors that, out, that are out there, wannabe actors, you must get training, of course, if you want to do any line of work. If you want to be a plumber, as I mentioned earlier, you apprentice and you watch for a while and then you try one. And if you don't break anything, you try it again. And so I, I hadn't done that. When I finally started to take some classes in 1966, very soon thereafter, in 1967, I got my first job and I got my Screen Actors Guild card. And at the time, I had a paper route. That was my main source of income was delivering the Herald Examiner in L.A. on my bicycle. So I kept my makeup on after I did the show. I did one episode of this show called My Three Sons in 1967. And I kept my makeup on, literally hoping somebody would recognize me. The show hadn't been edited, aired, anything. I just thought, well, I was on a TV show. When does the... When did the accolades begin? I guess I hope they'd see me make up and go, wow, is that makeup? Are you an actor? And uh, so, but I, I finally took more training and more training and finally began to learn on the job. I kind of learned as I was doing it. Learning on the job as doing. And that's the process, right? The more hours you do something, the better you can become at it, right? Yeah, but there's a certain amount of risk to go out there and not have any training and, and begin to do it and begin to get work. People could say, this son of Ed Begley is a, a nightmare. He doesn't know what he's doing. He didn't know his lines or whatever. You know, I certainly always knew my lines, but uh, I didn't have any skills or any real training. So fortunately, I made it through and began to learn and feel comfortable in front of the camera. A few years later, on a show called Room 222, the show that Jim Brooks worked on as a writer. Lots of wonderful actors were in it. My friend Bruno Kirby was in it. Cindy Williams was in it. You know, his guest stars, Richard Dreyfuss was in it, all young friends of mine about the same age in our late teens. And we worked early 20s, some of us. And we worked on that show. And I kind of learned and was finally comfortable in front of the camera. But that was kind of also later I learned a problem. I was comfortable in front of the camera. And who wants to watch somebody that's always just comfortable in the scene? I didn't have any <laughs> zip. I didn't have anything interesting going on. The way you watch an actor like Joaquin Phoenix, you watch Meryl Streep or somebody Elizabeth Moss, these great actors of our time, Daniel Day-Lewis, these wonderfully talented people. You look at that person they're portraying and go, 
what's going on with him? Something's going on with her. What is Sophie and Sophie's choice? I wonder what that choice was. And then we learn what Sophie's choice was and what they're dealing with, what the Joker was dealing with, or, you know, uh, Joaquin Phoenix in his earlier work in Gladiator. What happened to this guy? What's going on beneath the surface? And that's what you need to have going on. I had none of that going on, of course. I was just comfortable in front of the camera, but that was the start. Then I finally learned other things which make the work more interesting. Oh, that's amazing. Now, what, what was your favorite type of work to do? Was it TV? Was it movies? Do you have a favorite movie that you did? Or When I was very young, there was a hard, very strong barrier between uh, people who did TV and people who did films. People like Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, those kinds of stars never, ever did television. Oh. I mean, they just didn't. They were movie stars and they were on the big screen and they were very large, larger than life on that screen and larger than life in every way. But then that began to change and pretty soon it blurred so much. And then the way it is now, big movie stars want more than anything to do a TV series because they see what Brian Cranston did with Breaking Bad and what other great film actors have done. You know, And they go, I want to do that. I don't want to just do a movie and work seven weeks or 12 weeks or even a few months on a movie and then it's done. The idea of working six years on a show and be able to develop a character over that period of time is very appealing to writers, directors, actors, everybody. So uh, back when I was a kid, there were great writers like Rod Serling. My dad did some of his work who did Twilight Zone and other stuff. My dad did a thing called Patterns that he wrote, wonderful show, Patterns. And then uh, Patty Chayefsky, these great writers, uh, directors like Sidney Lamette, film directors, they were, worked in television first. That was considered the golden age of television. And I would propose that it still is. That is the golden age of television. But what we're in now, Greg, is the platinum age of television. When you <laughs> see Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and Handmaid's Tale on these shows today, it really is something extraordinary. It's not just 13 episodes or 22 episodes. You know, it goes on for a while. And what they get to do with the, the characters and the quality of the camera work and the production design and the costumes and everything it doesn't look like television anymore. It's every bit as good as any movie, in my opinion. Did you see when the opportunity came for St. Elsewhere that you were ready for it, meaning the fact that you saw now that it's not just the big screen TV was really developing at that time? Neil, when I got that script for St. Elsewhere, at that point in my career, I had never been in a movie with a script that good. You know, it was a television show, but it was better than any feature script that I had been hired for. Maybe you could argue this was 82. I got that. The, the script for the in-laws, wonderful comedy. Was that better? It's a different beast, that wonderful, you know, but I hadn't been in a cat people. It was a very good script, but to have a sustained job on a show. And I was not hired for a sustained job at all. I tried out for the part of a regular called Dr. Peter White on St. Elsewhere. I didn't get the part. They didn't want me to be a regular on the show. They wanted me to do, after that, they threw me a bone and said, you can be in one episode playing Dr. Ehrlich, who had like one or two lines. I went, I'll take it. I just want to be around these people. And that developed into a one of the main characters of the show. The character, Dr. Peter White, gets shot on, in season two of the show, and he's dead and gone forever. And I got to be all six years. So the moral of the story <laughs> is sometimes you don't get what you want, but sometimes what you get is much better than what you ever could have dreamt of. Wow, that's that's such a great story. I appreciate that. So 
what one question that I, I love to ask people who are successful is like your morning routine. Do you do you have like a set routine that you've done for years and you get up at a certain time and you you do these different things every day to get yourself ready? Yeah, I have a pretty normal pattern in the morning. I make a cup of tea and I, you know, sometimes have some juice. I take the dog out. I've got a lovely little doggy. I haven't had a dog in many years, so it's a treat to have a dog again in my latter years. And, uh, you know, I don't have anything to eat for an hour or two. I'm not really hungry when I first get up. I usually go to the gym. I work in the yard. You know, I have a wonderful vegetable garden out back and a nice yard. So I'm I'm very lucky to live in the house I live in. And uh, I have a pretty normal, but I, it, I'm willing to shake it up too if there's something different. If I have to be somewhere at six in the morning, some distance away, I get up at four in the morning and don't bat an eye. I'm happy to get up whenever they need me. And I never, ever just arrive. If my call is at six in the morning or seven. I don't arrive at six or seven. I arrive early, you know, so I'm prepared. And in case there's some traffic or truck overturn somewhere, I get there early. I do the crossword. That's the other great part of my day. I do the crossword and I do Wordle and spelling bee and all that stuff every day. The jumble. I love it. That's great. That's a, that's, that, that's a definite way to keep your mind sharp for sure. And Ed, you know what? You're not, you keep going, especially with Begley's. Tell us how you came up with the idea to create th these uh, earth responsible products. I had this idea in my head where I wanted to have some products, you know, out there under the name Begley's best. It was my manager's idea. Jason Winters, my manager at the time came up with the idea. The brand name would be Begley's best. And I have these different products that would be green products but I couldn't get anything going with it. It didn't go anywhere, this idea. But then this guy came up to me at Real Food Daily in Santa Monica, this very nice guy, John Watt. He said, I've got this. I tried to get a hold of you through your managers and I didn't get a call back. And I wanted to do sell some cleaning products with your name on them. Went, You're looking for me. I'm looking for you. Fantastic. So I said, so what do I do? We do a photo session and then you'll promote the products and I'll make sure they're all green. He said, no, no, I'll sell you big drums of the product you know, and then you'll find a bottler and do all that. So it's like, I didn't know quite what the deal was. And I, so I started doing that and I got into the uh, cleaning products business with these very wonderful green products that John had a terrific formula, has a terrific formula for his cleaners. But I, I got busy with my acting. I was storing stuff in my garage, either me or my daughter was shipping stuff across the country and shipping and billing and all of that. It was I get, it was fine when I had time in my acting career to do that. Then I got very busy a few years later and I had to stop Begley's Best. I, I just hadn't the time. And so then I teamed up with this guy, Mark Cunningham. He said, you're an actor too. You don't need to be shipping stuff from your garage, you know, and buying a pallet jack. Just I'll handle all that. You come with me to Vegas to the product show and you help promote it in many ways through social media and otherwise. And uh, most importantly, vet the products to make sure they're as green as what you would like. We did all that. And he even had something I never possessed, which is something called the EPA Design for the Environment Certification. So we had real independent third-party certification for these new products. And we, so we, we put out great green products, Begley's Earth Responsible Products. We just got them to Costco. We're about to launch on Chewy. And you just go to Amazon. We're on Amazon and have been for a while, selling very well on Amazon. Go to Amazon and type in Begley Cleaning. That's all you need to do. 
or anywhere. Just go to Google and type in Begley Cleaning and you'll find our products. They're very clean and green. That's important to me, of course, but also of equal importance, they're very good cleaners. You can't be just vinegar and water like I used to use when I was a kid in 1970, the first Earth Day, or baking soda instead of Comet. It's got to be something. It has to be green and clean, but it has to also clean every bit as good as Formula 409 or Windex or something like that or some tile cleaner. So that's what we have. You can look it up online, Begley Cleaning. That's all you need to know, and you'll find it quickly. And now we're only in Texas to start, but when Costco is doing very well in Texas and Costco. Excellent. Well, that's Excellent. great. And you'll probably be in Whole Foods pretty soon. Yes, the I Amazon think we will be. Yeah. We were in Whole Foods before, but then uh, this is when I had my original line of products, Begley's Best, but then it wasn't enough volume for the distributor. So it's still technically in the system at Whole Foods, but we didn't have, it wasn't enough traffic to keep the distributor happy. So now with the volume that we sell of these new products, there's plenty of volume, you know, it's plenty of, uh, satisfaction to a distributor for that now because of the volume. So we'll probably uh, be doing that again. We'll be back in Whole Foods again. I would, I would hazard a guess. Yes. Excellent. Do you, do you think you'll be expanding into other products as well? Different lines? Yes. We intend to launch many more products. We want to see how this does now that we're in some larger, we've been trying to build it and trying to build it. Now, finally, when you get into Costco, that's a big leap for any company to make that kind of a great leap into an outlet like Costco. We're only in 40 stores there in Texas now, but it's doing very, very well. People have responded big time to the products. And so uh, it'll probably be in all the, I think there's 300 stores total in Texas, and then it'll go wider and be in the rest of the country. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud to be associated with this company, Lab Clean. They have the best clean green formulas in town or anywhere. And I'm glad to work with them now years and it's starting to pay off, as I said, I think we're this close to being on, in Chewy as well. And so that will happen soon. People can order very easily in that way. Now, the challenges. Now, you talk about how you have to be as an actor. You know, keep working, keep grinding, keep doing specific things, keep learning. What about as an entrepreneur? Coming up with this idea, this is definitely an entrepreneurial venture. Putting this together, all the time it involves. How do you keep the time of acting and doing that at the same time? It's 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 got to be a challenge. It goes back to when I had the own, my own company and I was storing stuff in my garage and shipping it myself. I thought I had the time for that and I did for a while and then I got real busy again. I had a renaissance back in 2007 or so it started and uh, continued for till now. It's still I'm working like crazy. So I don't have to worry about it because my new arrangement with this company, Lab Clean, is such that they do all that for me. You know, they, they're great partners. Mark Cunningham a great guy and he works with some people that really have come up with great formulas that are clean and green. And uh, I'm going to say something now that Mark is going to hate though, but there's many green, good green, many, there's a few good green products out there. Right. Seventh generation makes some, Ecos makes some. We're all rooting for each other. I certainly am rooting for them to go get a green product. I hope it's mine, but if not, get something to clean your floor, your sink, whatever. Because so, let's just talk about the floor. You got little angels like this, like my little doggy, crawling around the floor, putting her paws in her mouth. You don't want to have something toxic on that floor. You no. got babies, human babies, crawling around the floor, putting their fingers in their mouth and their toes, you know, as babies do. You don't want to have anything toxic on that floor, please, or anywhere in your house. 
Many people are out there with me for years with signs protesting a hazardous waste site. No hazardous waste site near a home. No hazardous waste site near a home. The worst hazardous waste site is not near their home. It's in their home. It's under their sink, you know, with all these horrible chemicals we somehow think we need. You need things clean. I'm with you there. You want things clean. You can't just do it with baking soda and vinegar and water. Those are fine for some cleaning, but sometimes you need something more aggressive. And my cleaning products do very, very well. They're, they're great products and you can get them in many different ways in uh, Costco in Texas and uh, Amazon and other places as well. Greg, I talked about the brand. He see, he figured it out. He got someone else to do the, the leg work and do all, he came up with the ideas, his brand, they use his brand name and basically go out there and put it out to the public. And, you know, people, fans of Ed Begley Jr. are going to choose this product over the other two. He talked about the competitors, right? Greg, that's Greg your the top. yeah. Yeah. If that's your only line of work and you're just selling the products, that's fine. You can do it all yourself. But even if you're doing it, a lot of it yourself, you got to learn to delegate and you have to make sure that other people can do stuff because you can't be everywhere at once. And that's what I was doing. I was driving products up to Santa Barbara from LA because the cost of shipping was too much for me or the company that I was selling it to in Santa Barbara to absorb, you know, the store that was selling it there in Santa Barbara. So I would drive it up there. I basically valued my time at zero, you know, for years and just would drive it around to save money on shipping. You can't do that endlessly, whether you're an actor or you know, whatever your line of where you sell used cars, you can't you can't endlessly value your time at nothing. So uh, I have other people that I work with and they do a great job at it and uh, we're doing very well together. All right, Greg, you have a question. You've asked all the successful people we've had on the show. Go with that question. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So fantastic. So, you know, Ed, for all of uh, my listeners, you know, many of them are entrepreneurs and just people that are always working on self-improvement in life, trying to be better and better every day. What's the most important thing that you feel that you've ever learned up to this point? The most important thing I learned as a business person is to learn to delegate, to not do it yourself. Some people can, again, that, if that's their only line of work, can, but the, the, I'm zeroing in on it. But we've talked about that. What I didn't say is you've got to, when you start a company, you've got to keep your costs down. You have to keep your costs down. And so I'll then make a case for value your time at nothing, if you can do it, uh, you know, to grow your company. And I, that's what I did. I kept my costs down. I shipped UPS ground and they give you a, a good rate if you ship enough. And I did. I was doing it all myself. I didn't buy an expensive storage space or rent it. And where I live, Studio City, it was too much money. I went way out in the valley to San Fernando, where storage space is much cheaper. You know, I just kept everything on the cheap and built it and built it. And had I not gotten busy again as an actor, I would have stayed that course and just done that. You know, just did everything myself and grown the company to where it is now with Mark Cunningham, perhaps I should be so lucky to have done that on my own. But uh, keep your costs down. That's very important too. Very, very important. And just make sure you give it the time to grow. You know, I kind of quit before the miracle with my company, Begley's Best, the original thing. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I had a unique situation where suddenly I was summoned for so much acting work in 2007, 8, 9, there after I did that reality show. Suddenly I had a lot more work. And uh, I, I couldn't do it, but get out there, put the time and the sweat equity into it, take your time, make sure you have the resources and the capital to, to, you know, take that time to have it grow 
and uh, and you'll do well. And but you of course have to have a good product to begin with. It can't be something that's crappy, that's low quality cleaning product that didn't clean well, that's toxic. You know uh, that's not going to help you at all. It's got to be what you say it is, and uh, you know, and that's you know you got to be honest in your the way you promote products, and and that's the key to success. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to finish up and then I'm going to ask Ed where he can find, we can find more information on him and purchase his product. He reflected on something. Take the time. Understand things do not happen overnight. I talked to lots of authors, entrepreneurs just started in this industry, business owners, and they, and they're just starting from scratch and they think it's just going to happen overnight. You know, Greg is an entrepreneur owning this huge cybersecurity company. He took forever. It didn't happen overnight to grow it to where it is. I too grew my radio and television show, not just from like one day, I just got all the syndication. I put the time in and effort to do it. That is one of the best recommendations Ed, you've given anyone is take the time to do it. Make sure it's not gonna happen overnight. Put the effort in, put the grind in, keep your costs low and keep grinding. And that's the, the big, big thing for sure. Ed, where's the best place people can purchase your products? You said now they're available right now, uh, all in most of the Costco's in Texas, but what about for yourself? Is it online too that people could buy the products? Yes, online. If you're not lucky enough to be near one of those Costco's that carries it uh, at this point, you can get it online just uh, at Amazon, uh, you know, or again, Google search just Begley Cleaning will do it at Amazon or anywhere. Uh, and you'll, you'll see any number of products there. We have a limited amount of SKUs now. We want to grow the product and have a laundry detergent and lots of other products, a dish soap, but we're growing at a pace that we can afford and in a measured manner that makes business sense and sense in every way. So uh, yeah, just type in Begley Cleaning and you will find us. And I satisfaction is guaranteed. If you don't like it, you know, you, your money will be refunded. We make a good product and we stand by it. All right. Well, fantastic. We appreciate it. That was such a great interview. Again, thank you, Ed. And I know Greg wants to thank you as yeah, well. Yeah, thank you, Ed. Really appreciate it. Such great information. Again, that was Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna, guys. Take care. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also the Love is Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome first my co-host, Kim Sorrell. Kim, <laughs> author of Love is. Kim, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guest today. Neil, I am doing great. Thank you so much. So good to see you. And yes, I'm so excited about Jen Gotson. Jen has been acting for, uh, I don't know how many years, <laughs> award-winning acting. You've played lots and lots of parts that have gotten you in the spotlight. You've been compared to Meryl Streep, which I think is the number one comparison that anybody could make, right, when you're in that field. And uh, and you, you're doing so much for teens, for young adults, and just doing so much in general. And the movie, The Farmer and the Bell, what a great movie. And the things that have come off of that, Jen, I'm just dying to talk to you. Welcome to the show. And and tell us a little bit about Farmer and the, and the Bell and like what that's done in your life. Oh my goodness, what fun. Well, hello. I wish um, we're sitting right next to each other and we could high five and have hot cocoa with some whipped cream and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, because that's, that's the fun of Christmas. Well, so the farmer in the bell saving Santa land is our Christmas movie. And um, me and my husband, we came up with the idea. And so we made a movie, but the reason behind that idea is because I am um, being an actress and a model. I really had some issues dealing with 
you know, feeling like you have to look a certain way when you're on the red carpet, um, when you're doing photos and all these things to fit in. And I realized after I went through a very difficult time in my life that a lot of other women and starting at a very young age, around starting at age five, girls really also start to experience these same type of feels. So once I found freedom in it, I was like, oh my goodness, I want to help so many people. So I said, Jim, who's my husband? I said, let's make a Christmas movie because girls um, and families like Christmas movies and let's make a message that makes people feel good and gives them hope and lets them know why they are valuable and that beauty really is on the inside. And that's what the farmer in the bell is. Well, and just to kind of go back, Kim, I had her on last year when it was getting released. And so <laughs> congrats on the success. And what would you say, Jen, is specifically enough what's keeping it going? Because remember, we we're talking last year, where is it going? What's going to happen? All these different things. You were so excited. And now a year later, and still has the buzz. That's not like mo many movies, right? Putting yourself yeah. in a Christmas movie, such an important thing, right? Because everyone wants to talk Christmas every year. So there you go. And maybe twice a year. <laughs> yeah, right. You got Christmas in July. And now, Neil, it's so fabulous that you noticed that is because we came out in 2020. That year, we were a bestseller on DVDs on Amazon for six weeks. And then last year, we came to theaters. And then we streamed 41 million minutes on Amazon. And we were recommended as one of the recommended Christmas movies. Uh, to families, like a friend of mine who had COVID. She's like, Jen, it was Christmas Day, and your movie came up as recommended on Amazon. And I was like, that's slamming. And this year we did have uh, an incredible partnership with Salem and Salem saw this vision of the movement of what the message behind the movie is and how you have jewelry with biblical affirmations that you can wrap around your wrist to help you when you're struggling with insecurity or you wanting to have confidence and you want to feel, feel special um, and really who God created us to be. And so they put our documentary out, What is True Beauty, when you buy The Farmer in the Bell Saving Santa Land on their platform. And, and then we also just released on Peacock a couple of days ago. And so it's it's been a movie that we wanted to make it as a Christmas tradition, but blowing our socks off to see how people's lives have really been like definingly impacted from people who have addictions, who said it has helped me keep myself sober one more day. Well, Grammy says, my granddaughter said, Grammy, I didn't know I was pretty. And I watched that movie and, and I, but daddy never told me, but now I know God tells me I'm pretty. Like, those are the things that you're like, we prayed that that would happen and, and the lives that are being impacted. It's, it's a kiss. <laughs> and it's funny, funny, Kim, I was talking about where is the movie going to show up and what's streaming? And now we hear Peacock. So it's kind of funny. We weren't thinking that, Jen, when we talked last time. So, and, and that's the funny thing, Kim, we're manifesting these things. And there you go. There you go. <laughs> I predicted it because once you hear more that people have not watched it, learn more of the story. It's just such a great story, isn't it, Kim? It is. And it's so important, Jen. I totally agree with you. Like, uh, I, I coached varsity volleyball for 17 years ah. as well for 25 years. Right. Yeah. And so I've worked with a lot of young adults, young um, women and self-esteem is a big thing. And it's silly because we try to compare ourselves to other people. So your documentary is so important and your book is yeah. So important. Yes. And the way you did your book, you had a couple co-authors. Can you tell us about that process? Yeah, it's 
I'm so glad that we're talking a little bit about the young adult because that's where the real feels are really happening in the world that we never experienced, Kim, you and I growing up as ladies because of social media. So what we did with Beauty and Likes, um, I'm the creator of the book. And so I hired Morgan Threadgill, who is um, who's a writer. She's in her young 20s. And so she writes these different true story experiences that have happened to her in her life, dealing with social media, dealing with a medical condition, dealing with sports, dealing with academics, um, and the pressures that she's felt on herself with her image. And then I had um, Dr. Lynette Sim, we hired her. She has a psychology degree that she works directly with teens who struggle with eating disorders, depressions, uh, suicide, bullying, um, struggling with their identity. And so we realized where these feels are happening and how do we really create transformation. And then I took all the research I've done over the years with the Farmer and the Bell franchise, Discovering Inner Beauty, that I inscribed on the bracelet, the 20 inscriptions of affirmations to help us start to renew and transform our mind. And then um, we've created that all through the book. So each chapter, when you read, I am valuable, it relates to the bracelet that says, I am valuable. And then the next word says magnificent masterpiece, beautiful, made by God. And each chapter walks you through. So when you read it, it unlocks revelation in story, in a quick word, in a question, in a prayer, in psychology, in a, in a definition, in, in scripture verse. So wherever a young adult is, at what information they're gathering, they could pull a nugget, even if they read you know, one chapter a week, they could pull a nugget and if they have the bracelet in the day, they can oh, look wow. down at that bracelet and be like, that's that. I am masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. So that's I, what I we're doing. I think it's so important because what's happening in social media today, a lot of it's fake. A lot of it's not true. A lot of it's different things. And kids, especially girls are looking on social line and just think that's what I need to do. They go on TikTok and they think that's what it is. And no, if you do searching on TikTok, there's a lot of powerful, good stuff on it but not when you first get in the feed of what they expose you to or on Instagram of reels, do stuff that teach people to use social media in a way that's giving, not receiving, not to a point that is just about, I want likes, I want to provide value to an audience. Value is so important. If you didn't have a valuable movie, valuable book, valuable brand, and you're not making a difference in someone's life, why do it? And that's the, the the motivation driven that people are interested now in products and services that they like the individual. They're not buying just because yeah. that we're told to buy. And that's how things are changing. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Sure. It's so neat, Neil, that you talk about value. Um, it's such a cool thing because what we did was we created actual definitions. So in First Samuel 26, 24 in the Bible, it says, just as I considered your life valuable today, so may the Lord consider my life valuable and rescue me from all trouble. So that's the scripture. So now when you go down, you're like, well, what does valuable actually mean? And it's the possessing traits or qualities that are admired and appreciated. So if we could identify what are those traits that we're uniquely created with that that have a, a, a way to bring life to other people. And just like you said, giving, if we could then take that gift and use social media to blow life into another person, 
that joy, being a joyful giver is what we've identified in our research as one of the most beautiful qualities is when not the pretty face and the pretty skin and pretty that it's the, it's the gift that you're giving joyfully to pour into another person and that radiates attraction. And then that's what makes that individual feel special inside. So if we could get our minds on how to use those gifts to bless others, that then ends up getting the byproduct, which people want, and they want to feel loved. Well, that just segues us completely, Kim, to love, love questioning. Yeah. 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 So, so Jen, um, I lost my husband a few years ago and it made me question love, the true meaning of love, because it's sort of this question, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of songs, there's a lot of books, but there's always a little bit of mystery behind it. And so I dedicated a full year to figuring out what love really means. And I used the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, et cetera. And I worked on one word a month to figure out what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And the things I found out about love blew my mind, like things I've never been taught before. I love your love sign behind you, by the way. But uh, love is so much more, I think, than so many people think. And um, so we think that we have to be pretty to receive love, right? Like we want to meet somebody. So you got to look a certain way so you can meet a certain person so that you can have a partner. But that's just not the way love works, right? So what? How can you explain? Like, what? what how do you think it works in that way? Yeah, I think it's really. I think the lie that ninety percent of women believe that what we've learned is that they believe we believe, and I believe this, and now I'm on the other side of it. Is if I can be beautiful, and our beauty is being depicted by what we see in culture of what culture is now, if we live back in the time where beauty was ginormous uh, weight on our body, we would think that's beauty, but beauty is being depicted a different way. If we think we could be beautiful, then, then we are worthy of love. And so that's where the lie is. So in our documentary, I think it's really cool. And I'll pull some things. What is true beauty? Because it relates to love and this question. So John Schneider, a lot of people grew up, um, if you guys watched Dukes of Hazard growing up, like John Schneider was your Huge icon. Huge fan. Like, I've interviewed was, him a few times. He's a great guy, for sure. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. And like, I've been on movie sets where people have swooned him and lost their head. We've been on like autograph sessions and people are falling down. And I'm like, John, do you see what you're doing? Because <laughs> <laughs> people love him so much. And he's so charmalicious. And we cast him in our movie to play himself, to play Holly Jolly Christmas. So people could see the real John Schneider of who, how awesome of a charm, charmatic, awesome man he is. Anyways, side note, that's the movie. So we asked John and we asked Corbin Birdson and we asked several other stars um, that are men, what is beauty to you? And none of them said having the perfect body. None of them said having the perfect face, the perfect there. None of them spoke on physical at all. It blew my mind. John was like, the most beautiful thing to me is when someone is direct and tells me like it is. Someone who's confident, that is what beauty is to me. And Corbin Bernson went on to talk about beauty back in the day. It used to be Twiggy, but no, beauty is your heart. It's, it's what's on the inside. If you are um, a very attractive physical, but you are just nasty, I don't want to be around you. I want to be somewhere around someone who's kind and I want to grow old with someone who'd want to have my children. 
there's a deeper route that the men believe what beauty is. And so we captured all this in the documentary, trying to understand what people actually believe beauty is. And then from our research, women want to be beautiful because Kim, like you said, we want to feel loved. And so when I went through a divorce and I struggled so much with my worth and I heard the echo when I was a child, I was made fun of, uh, I was bullied when I was in a teen, I had acne and I was called mean, mean, mean names. And when I went through that divorce, I just, I kept hearing those words, like I'm, I'm worthless, I'm ugly, no one will ever love me. And that's when the pastors and the therapists I was talking to said, go to the Bible. Who does Jesus say you are? And then Jesus, I saw Jesus appear in front of me and I literally saw Jesus sitting with me and Jesus said, you are my bride. Take your ring off and put my ring on. Let me be your groom. I want you to grasp how wide, high, long and deep my love is for you. And God always created this thing of creating a, a, a piece of jewelry so I could hold on to. And that's where the bracelet came about, where I, I created this heart that falls in the palm of your hand on this bracelet that's in the movie. So I could grasp onto that heart as if I'm holding on to Jesus's hand to say, Jesus, let me grasp your love. And somehow the closing of my eyes and holding onto the heart in the palm of my hand on this bracelet allows me to just connect with the love that God has. And then love starts to overflow and fill all those places that I desired so much to feel perfect by man. And so Kim, I think that's the best way that we could find love but it's hard to get there. And that's why we created this as a tool to help us all women and teens to be realize that God loves us and he sees us perfect and he will never leave us or forsake us. And he will he goes before us and behind us and that we are his magnificent masterpiece. Oh man, that was beautiful. And Kim, yeah. I guess that's something that you definitely, when you think about writing the book, that's what you thought of that love, like she just defined it. Right. And even defined it based on what John Schneider defined it and Corbin did and all that. It's, it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, absolutely. It is so powerful. You know what I think, Jen, is like, like I think about like the Mona Lisa, if it went up for auction, I, who knows how much money, Right. Who knows how many millions and millions of dollars somebody would pay for it? It's because it's one of a kind. It's mm. one of a kind, just like you are one of a kind, just like everyone is one of a kind. There's nobody who's ever been just like you, who ever will be just like you. You're one of a kind and mm. you're made the way you're supposed to be made. You're made to be the person that you are and how special and wonderful that is that you have that beautiful uniqueness. And you have that, that you can then share with the world. Right. And, and yeah. it's so neat. Like I like using that word as masterpiece. The Mona Lisa yes. is a masterpiece. And when we look in scripture, Ephesians 2.10, it says we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we could do the good things he planned for us long ago. And the definition of masterpiece, it's, it's a task completed with exceptional expertise in particular. It's the pinnacle of human knowledge or creativity. And so God created us as that piece of creativity. And so when we look in the mirror and we might see a flaw that we think is a wrinkle or overweight or sagging this or cellulite that or 
um, genes not fitting or whatever the issue is that we're struggling with. Maybe our loved one has gone through cancer or we've gone through cancer and we, our hair identified us and now it's gone. We have to look past that. We have to look inside and say, who did God create me to be? What was the things he created me to do? And he has purpose for me. And he has a plan. And when we can understand what that is, and we pray for that joy of the spirit to come over us, that then becomes so attractive and unifies us as who we really are. So, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Where are people going to get, they can pick up the movie. They can watch it on Peacock. But I mean, also they can get the book, the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the bracelet. Where's the best place? Absolutely. Our website is the best place that helps support our ministry. Cause it's my husband and me, the farmer and the Val who are creating everything. And so um, the farmer and the bell, B E L L E.net. And you could go to the farmer and the bell.net. And if you use the promo code Salem, S-A-L-E-M, you'll get 20% off any of the bracelets, the books, the merchandise. And our documentary is only available on Salem now. And so when you have a, your device or if you go onto your, you know, your television, hit the app button and then hit the search and type in Salem and you'll find us there. And um, the Peacock is a great place to watch The Farmer in the Bell, Steven Sandaland. Amazon hurt us so bad last year as filmmakers. Um, so bad. They paid one penny every time the movie was watched. And so our investors who loved us and loved the ministry, we, we were only able to give them $5,000 towards their blessing into helping make our half million dollar movie. So Amazon doesn't do very good to their filmmakers. Um, but prime is a way you can watch it, but Salem now is the best place peacock and youtube <laughs> we appreciate it so so much great information jen we appreciate you coming on thank you guys so much for having me all right you're listening and watching the neil haley show and we'll be back in just a moment we're back to the neil haley show and the media giant effect and also celebrity interviews live from the grotto with greg hannah greg how are you what's going on man excited yeah, about fantastic that. yeah i'm super excited about today's interview Absolutely. Let's just kind of go on. Our guest today is Steve Peters, and we're going to talk about two main things today. We're going to talk about his interview with Tammy Faye, uh, and we're going to learn more about you know his experience knowing Tammy Faye, and we all know her from specific things. And then also Elton John interview and how hit in the thing about Tammy Faye, Elton John's uh, current project. So Steve, thanks for stopping by. And Steve, I mean, you got to be very happy that so many people know your story and are able to tell it and especially at how your interview with Tammy Faye changed a lot of people's lives forever. Yeah, I, it's very gratifying and I I've been totally uh uh just surprised by the amount of attention it's attention it's gotten in the last couple of years alone um seeing as it was 37 years ago that it happened. Um, so it was, uh, you know, at the time I didn't think I'd done a very good job. And I told a friend, I'm certainly glad no one I know will ever see this. Uh, but, uh, uh, obviously that has proved to be wrong. And a lot of people have seen it. It's had over 212,000 views on YouTube, uh, at this point. Wow. Um, and that's those experiences of having those interviews, Greg, right, Greg, would you agree? It's like, uh, when stories come out through the media, right, Greg? That's uh, really true. I mean, 
you know, interviewing and having the opportunity to meet people like Steve and all the other great people that we've had the opportunity to meet over the past, uh, you know, months has been fantastic. So, you know, Steve, so, so tell me what, what was it like, you know, um, interacting with Elton? Did you get to meet with him directly or how? Well, actually, he called me and and uh, to thank me and and uh, just to tell me how important I was to the, his show and and uh, it it was really kind of surreal to see the caller ID come from uh, England and of course it didn't say who it was. I picked it up and he said, "Steve, this is Elton." <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> it was an instantly recognizable voice, and I could almost hear him sing "Candle with the Wind." Oh, yeah. <laughs> Candle with the Wind. But uh, um, it was uh, it was a delightful conversation, and uh, I'm thrilled that it ha- that it happened, and and uh, thrilled that I'm part of the show. Uh, so, yeah, and that's in that process. Were any of your interview when that movie came out with Tammy Faye, the one that was the latest one that did really well? Uh, did that? It was your? Were you in that at all? That your character? Yes, up? my interview. A portion of my interview was in that film, and and Jessica Chastain uh, invited me to be her date for the Oscar nominees luncheon uh, that year, and uh, so it was really something to not only meet Tammy, uh, Tammy. Uh, uh, Jessica on the on the red carpet in New York at the premiere there uh, in September of last year, but it was just a, a, another surreal experience to be at the Oscar luncheon as her date. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> to have her on my arm. Woo! <laughs> I'm gay, but I'm still like, oh my god, <laughs> this beautiful woman is on my arm. Jeez, and talented too. I mean. She was extraordinary. And my she told me that my interview was the reason she decided to do the, the movie, why she bought the rights. Uh, so she um, she evidently had the whole interview filmed with her in, and uh, Randy Havens as me. Um, and they used, a, you know, uh, maybe three or four minutes of it in the actual film. That's 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 tremendous. And Greg, again, never knowing one moment you have, Greg, that can change a world forever. As, as uh, really, really. No, that's really true. You know, Steve, you know, I was just interested in you know, reading your bio. Um, I'm always curious. You know, I think like most people, I love God. Right. Um, yeah. What what got you in? into wanting to be a, a priest. I mean, that's pretty, pretty cool. Well, I'm not a priest. I'm a minister. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, the uh, priests are Catholic or Episcopalian. And I'm uh, definitely a Protestant. And, and uh, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, in my twenties, I had every intention of being a musical theater star. Uh, I wanted to be a Broadway performer. Uh, and uh, that was not happening. Uh, doors were slamming in my face everywhere I turned. And uh, I was going to church uh, trying to deal with my sexuality. And uh, and this church that I was going to was is very pro-gay church. And, uh, uh, and I had this spiritual awakening and realized that I mean, I, I realized with a blinding clarity that what I really wanted to do with my life was to be a pastor and a minister. And so I switched directions and all the doors came flying open as I, 
you know, went into the ministry. And, and uh, so that was a clear uh, calling, I think. And, yeah. and certainly none of this would have ever happened if I hadn't followed that calling. So I'm perhaps more famous now than I ever would have been if I had <laughs> the musical yeah, theater. I was talking to Greg off air preparing for this interview. And I said, you know, your, your, your contacts are, I'm sure, huge because of who you've met, uh, you know, from meeting the most legendary people in the world. You've not written a book yet on this? On, on oh, I have. I've, I've got a memoir that I wrote uh, during COVID, the lockdown primarily. And I've been working on it ever since. And, and I have a literary agent who's trying to sell it to some publisher at this point. And Oh, we so haven't so, found a publisher yet, but I'm hopeful that one may come along soon. I think that the celebrities that you met and stuff down the road could be a help to you. You know, oh, yeah. that, because, oh. because if you're not gotten it sold yet, that's surprising, especially with the, the community. So yeah. behind you and yeah. all the different celebrities, I'm sure it's not it's soon. I'm sure it'll be soon. Especially well, from your lips to God's ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's all it is, Greg, is a story. A story transforms people. And when we were reading more, especially of your bio, what really pointed in my direction to Greg, to Greg was the amazing people he you have met. Right, Greg? Like, yeah, it's incredible. Like, have minutes with President Clinton, and I'm sure First Lady Hillary Clinton, and meeting... Whoopi Goldberg. And I mean, I couldn't imagine these things, Greg, you know, Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, one of the, the great movie star, you know, and yeah. Still, yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Who, who is your favorite person uh, that you've met so far? My favorite. Oh, well, mm -hmm. you know, I'm partial to Jessica Chastain. Uh, well, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. I'm partial to Elton John. Um, well, I mean, probably. I can mean to have minutes of the help. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, the, you know, beyond that, I mean, President Clinton was a delight to meet and what an opportunity to sit next to him during that prayer breakfast and get to speak truth to power, literally, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, share with him the issues closest to my heart. And uh, and Shirley MacLaine was another one who uh, I met. I've met several times, actually, in the course of the last years uh, and in 1985 she introduced me when i spoke at the very first hollywood benefit for aids when rock hudson was dying uh and elizabeth taylor threw this huge banquet um and uh i was the person with aids who spoke and shirley mclean introduced me and she was wonderful she was so delightful and so much fun so oh, that's uh, incredible and yeah. would, would you say, uh, you know, meeting some of these celebrities, were you surprised at their humility in certain ways, especially? Yeah, they, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I was talking to Elton John, I thought I, it feels like I'm just talking to another guy, you know, <laughs> and and I am. Uh, but I mean, a legend. But nevertheless, it, it, he came off as just, you know, another of the guys. And um, and Jessica Chastain was so down to earth and real. And and Shirley MacLaine was very, you know, look in your eye and be honest and and, you know, just very, very truthful and authentic in her presentation. So and Clinton, I mean, you know, I, I sat there next to him and thought, 
wow, he looks like a real human being. I mean, and he sounds just like Bill Clinton. He looks like Bill Clinton. <laughs> you know? Whoa. Um, and and he was very down to earth and real too, or very authentic. Oh, that's incredible. But you, you know, I, I love Steve, I love to ask, you know, all our guests, you know, especially for my my listeners, um, I get to speak to people such as yourself that have done so much and have gone through so much and have so much more runway, you know, to go. Um, what's the most important thing that you feel that you've ever learned that you can share with my audience? Wow. That's huge. Well, I think, you know, the word love comes to mind that uh, I think it's so important to be loving and kind and, and giving and, uh, creative and and all those positive things in life that you can do to be of service to others uh, because it's in being of service to others that I have found the greatest rewards and the greatest gratification certainly um, so loving kindness being of service I think those are very important and another thing I I've learned through the whole, AIDS crisis and and now and in, in these years with COVID and all is uh, a Native American expression that the quality of life is not measured by the length of life, but by the fullness with which we enter into each present moment. Uh, so uh, the call is to be here now in this moment. And in this moment, I choose to feel joy. I choose to lean into the joy of living and of being alive against all the odds you know so very nice excellent i love it um so last question for you how did you land the tammy faye interview did you, ah, yeah. that's usually the first question yeah. <laughs> I know we've gotten so many interesting ones <laughs> well uh what happened was that she what decided she wanted to be the first televangelist to interview a gay man with aids and so she searched, she had a producer search throughout the East and the South, and they couldn't find anybody willing to go on the show with her. And uh, and so she happened to call the Aid, uh, Aid Atlanta agency, which was their AIDS agency. And uh, the executive director there is a friend of mine, and uh, he referred them to me. And so they called and I said, well, I don't know, I mean, Tammy Faye Baker, you know, and I wasn't sure at all about doing it. And I, I wanted their assurance that it would go out live uh, so they couldn't edit it to their purposes. And and they agreed to that right away and, and uh, assured me that she would not be doing a number on me in terms of trying to persuade me that AIDS was God's punishment or anything like that. So uh, I went on, you know, and trusted the process and found... You know, the, the woman I met that day in Tammy Faye Baker was a very loving, compassionate, kind woman who uh, really was as positive and, and supportive as she could possibly be, wow. which was radical in those days, particularly for a televangelist. Exactly, because it, it turned everything upside down, and that's why the Bakers fell. Because exactly. literally, they what they wouldn't have if it wasn't for they really ticked off a specific group of people that were very controlling. And so you got to see the movie and check all those different things out. Where's the best place people can check you out? Where can they go? Well, you can go to uh, Facebook, and uh, I, I'm uh, Reverend Steve Rev Steve Peters. I'm still dancing is my public page, and and. Uh, 
Uh, and I'm on Instagram at ASPeters, P-I-E-T-E-R-S. And uh, so uh, look for me there. Yeah. We appreciate it. Thanks again, Steve, for stopping by. Yeah, thanks, Thank Steve. You. Thanks, All right, Brad. that was the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Take care. Mm-hmm.